Well, it's my pleasure to uh, to uh, invite uh, Keith, Dr. Keith Burnett, to uh, share the word with us this morning. Um, I was thinking this is the first time I've ever heard him preach without an interpreter. Uh, so it should be about half the time as normal, I think. Um, Keith is great. He has been working with us in the Dominican Republic for three years with our church. He's been with uh, with Mission Hope for for six years. Um, I've gone on trips with him. When he's led, that's much more fun than when I lead. Um, so um, he's our contact uh, for Samana and everywhere in the Dominican Republic, and uh, he is our pastor's training uh, expert. So uh, this last year, the last few years, he and uh, Chris Preston and Randy were our pastor's training school team, while the rest of us would go off into do medical uh, or construction duties. They would be out uh, teaching pastors. Uh, so it is our great pleasure to have him here this morning. So. It's good to be here. I'm glad to be here. I could take a long time and say several things that are on my heart. Is that on now? Okay, good. <laughs> um, And I'm not going to do that this morning. There's primarily another focus for this time. But I would be remiss uh, not to say thank you. Um, It has been a great blessing to me to get to know and and love Dan and Randy and to work together with them for the cause of the kingdom. And then through that, to get to know uh, many of you. Uh, I didn't get to say hi personally to all the faces I can see from up here now and recognize this morning when I came in, but I said hi to several of you that I know. And uh, you have a, a great reputation in, uh, in my heart for um, many reasons, but uh, uh, you are a, a, a good church, and, and that is directly attributable, I think, uh, to the leadership that you have. And uh, as a pastor, as a church planter, as a missionary, uh, I want to say a a word of thanks. Uh, He'd be embarrassed if he was here. He'd tell me not to do this, but that's okay. He's gone. Uh, (laughs) Thank you for uh, ministering to Randy the way that you are right now. Um, That's a great thing. Uh, More churches should do that. Uh, Thank you for your insight, your wisdom, and your sacrifice in doing that. And so with all of that in mind and many, many more things, uh, I just am here today. I'm glad to be here, glad to have an opportunity to share with you. And, and as Dan said, yes, I do serve as the Director of Evangelism for Mission Hope. And this is not about that. I'm not Ben. I'm not Mike. Uh, we're all different people. We all share a common calling to serve the Lord just as you do. And so mostly today, um, I I come to share God's word with you as a person who doesn't deserve the privilege, but I'm glad to have it. So I want to open our hearts and minds this morning to the word of God and invite you to open your Bibles, um, either turn them on like mine is or open it up, whichever, uh, whichever one you prefer. All of my stuff is electronic. So uh, John chapter 6 is where we're going to look this morning, and we're going to share a very, very familiar verse, a passage of Scripture. You know this passage, and I want to tell you before we look here 
that it will be very tempting for you to say, oh, I've been here, seen that, done that, check out, wonder what's for lunch. Please don't do that. <laughs> uh, because it's not going to be uh, probably something like uh, you might have uh, thought of in the past. Uh, because there are some things here, there are some questions that we need to confront, questions that confront us about what we do and how we live and what we think and what we say when we go out that door in about 30 minutes, okay? And so let me share with you this passage and note in the beginning that this is one of the very few passages that is recorded in all four Gospels. Sometimes a, an event is significant because it is only recorded in one Gospel. This one is significant because it's, I don't remember if it's the only one, but it's, if it's not, it's just a very, very small number that's recorded in all four Gospels. It was that significant in the writing and the ministry of the Gospel writers. So, here is what we see this morning. After these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. A large crowd followed him because they saw the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. And then Jesus went up to the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was near, and therefore Jesus, lifting up his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these may eat? This he was saying to test him, for Jesus himself knew what he was intending to do. And Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, for everyone to have even a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are these for so many people? And Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. Jesus then took the loaves and having given thanks, he distributed these or to those who were seated. Likewise, also of the fish as much as they wanted. When they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments so that nothing will be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the barley loaves and were left over by those who had eaten. Therefore, when the people saw the sign which he had performed, they said, This is truly the prophet who has come into the world. Now that's a focal passage and one that you are familiar with. And it takes place in a particular setting. It takes place in the Gospel of John. And so in order to look at this particular event, we need to know what did John do to construct his Gospel? What was his goal in teaching? What was his goal in writing? How did he put that together? And the first half of John's Gospel is called the Book of Signs. John used seven signs, this is one of them, to prove that Jesus was and is who he said he was in the opening, in the prologue of John's Gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so seven signs John uses in order to prove that opening statement. And this is one of them. So we're going to look at that dynamic this morning. And then I want to challenge you and encourage you to spend a little time with the entirety of chapter 6 this week. Uh, maybe in light of this, uh, it, will, it will help you and minister to you and equip you uh, later on. 
But this story is about bread. We read about that in the scripture reading earlier this morning. And, uh, you know, Huntsville is um, a little bit of a cosmopolitan place. Uh, you find people here from everywhere. Uh, we moved here from Dallas. God called us to a church here in Huntsville, and we moved here uh, in 1992. And one of the things I dearly love about Huntsville is that, you know, nature of, of who and where we are. I mean, you know, there's folks here from everywhere. And so, you know, it wouldn't be totally uh, offline for you to drive up the parkway and uh, see a sign about Joe's Health Food and Eatery. And, you know, he's going to have vitamins, he's going to have vegan materials, he's going to have organic food, he's going to have supplements, he's going to have whole foods, he's going to have a huge variety and all that stuff. And, you know, his sign in one of these types of restaurants would probably say, you know, eat here and live longer. Okay? Well, Bubba also lives here. And if Bubba was going up the freeway, you know, somewhere, maybe, you know, north end of town, south end of town, I don't know, maybe towards Scottsboro, I don't know. But, you know, if, if Bubba saw that sign, you know that Bubba's got a good barbecue place. And there'd be a big old arrow going right over here towards Bubba's joint, and he'd say, Billy Bob's Barbecue, eat here, die happy. <laughs> Life is about food. We love food. We love to fellowship around food. We had some friends over at our house last night. We had a great time fellowshipping over food. One of the great things that happens when we have mission teams out is we get to sit down and share a meal together. Uh, we're not always sure what it is, but we are glad to eat it with each other. <laughs> and that's a great thing. You, you begin to share life around food and it's not insignificant that this is what we see here that was so important for every gospel writer to record it's about bread we like rolls we like the ones that you put butter on we like the ones that you open up they're called biscuits and you put gravy on it you know we like the pumpernickel ones we like the light colored ones we like the dark colored ones we like the ones with seeds on them we like pancakes okay it's bread and it's good. I grew up in, uh, just the other side of Fort Worth. And in Fort Worth, Texas, the, uh, right along the freeway, at what that time, you know, Fort Worth was a, was a two-freeway town. You had uh, I-35 West going north and south and I-20 running right, right through the downtown section of Fort Worth. And, and right there just off the freeway was Mrs. Baird's Bakery. And that's a, you know, y'all don't get Mrs. Baird's bread out here, but, you know, in Texas, that's a thing. If you ever lived out there, you've seen Mrs. Baird's bread in the grocery store. And the bakery was right there along the side of the freeway. And when we went, I would go with my dad to make hospital calls on uh, church members. Somebody was in the hospital, and right there by Harris Hospital in Fort Worth, he had to go past Mrs. Baird's bakery. And every time you went by the bakery, you just, boy, that was good. You just, you enjoyed driving by it. Are you hungry yet? Are you hungry? <laughs> you looking forward to lunch? <laughs> I want you to. That's <laughs> part of the point. But we have in Jesus the bread of life. 
And that's what we want to see this morning. Now, in order to set this up, John was present at another event that is recorded in Matthew and in Mark. Jesus took his disciples, all of them, John being one of them, and he took them to a secluded place. It's recorded in Matthew chapter 16. And Jesus asked them a very important question. He said, who do men say that I am? Jesus listened to the answers, and if you've read that passage, and I'm sure you have, he didn't even wait for their response. He just let them respond, and then he said, now, who do you say that I am? And that's a question we need to answer for ourselves today. We think we've got it down, and we may, but we may need a challenge in answering that question. Who do you say that I am. So John is then putting his gospel together in order to answer that very question that Jesus asked him in the company, in the presence of all of the other disciples. So this chapter gives us the fact that Jesus fed the 5,000 men plus probably it's easy to figure there may be 10,000 other people there. I mean, it was a lot more than even 5,000, but it, it was a huge, huge event. And the chapter is it, broken down like this. We have this event. It doesn't have much of an explanation. They want to make Jesus king. And if you'll check out the rest of the chapter, Jesus withdraws from them. He, it's not time. This is not what he came for. He withdraws from them. He sent his disciples out on the Sea of Galilee. And right in the middle of the chapter, you have the passage where Jesus walks on the water coming to the boat. And in the next morning, they miraculously arrive on the other side. And then the discourse about the bread of life continues. The crowd finds him over there and they have this discourse and exchange. And then what happened here is explained. And that's kind of where we're, we're going to look. Not only at the event, but on what Jesus taught from it. So on that day, Jesus was the manna on the mountain. He was what they needed. He supplied what they had. We, we read from Exodus this morning about the, the manna. And, and Jesus was to them their provider. He is our healer. He is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. He is Jehovah Rapha, the one who heals all of our diseases. Jesus is peace. He is the prince of peace. He, he calms the storm. He, he brings calm to the oceans. But you see, he also brought calm and peace to the heart of some very scared disciples, didn't he? He is the peace in the middle of the storm. And this, the entirety of the chapter presents this picture of him. And we say again, who do you say that I am? Now, there is some history, and we've already touched on it. Jesus met the crowd on the other side of the lake, and they told him, hey, what you did, well, you fed us once. But, our, but Moses, you know, he fed us for 40 years in the wilderness. We had that manna. In other words, what they're really saying was, do something to impress me today. Okay? What did Jesus say to them? You can check it out at the end of the chapter. He says, Moses didn't feed you. My father fed you. My father is the one who gave you what you got. And there is something more here right in front of you, right among you. I am here. And it's in this context that Jesus would say to them, I am 
the bread of life. It is the name of God that was given to Moses back in Exodus. The I am, the eternal one, the self-existent one. That's who I am. And I am your bread. I am your life. I am everything that you need. And so there's history associated with this. And they knew this. This was part of every Jewish uh, person's upbringing and teaching. They knew the life and the work and the ministry of Moses. But you see, what they're going to do is they're going to miss it. They're going to miss who's standing right in front of them. They're not going to correctly answer, who do you say that I am? Now, there's also some other history. If you look back in uh, 2 Kings chapter 4, you're going to find that there's miraculous feeding of some people in the life and the ministry of Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 4. And you see in, in that passage that it was barley loaves, the same thing that was found here in John chapter 6. That was the bread of the common people. It wasn't wheat, it wasn't rye, it was what the very poor people could, could afford and could make bread out of. In other words, everybody could have some. That's a point for a minute. But in the life of Elijah, Elisha, this, this great prophet in their history, there had been a miraculous feeding event. So what happened here in John chapter 6 was not without precedent. It was on a much bigger scale, and Jesus did it, but see, he was also at work in the life of his prophets back in the Old Testament. So there's a direct tie. And these are things that just fascinate me about how God puts his word together. Because whenever we read in John 6 that there is a lad here who has barley loaves and fish... If you go back into 2 Kings, you see that the same word is used of the servant of Elisha. It's a very unusual word, and it's a direct tie between these two events. Every Jewish person should have known who it was that was standing in front of them. And you see, there's also power in the name of Jesus. If you go forward in the Gospel of John, you remember that he went to Gethsemane. They, the, the soldiers uh, came to get him, and they wanted to know, are you Jesus? And what did he say? He stated his name, I am. And they fell to the ground because the ground shook. There's power in the name of Jesus. Not just for Sunday morning between 10 and 12, but there's power in the name of Jesus out that door. That's the power and the person that we serve that we must answer. Who do you say that I am? So in John's gospel, the physical points to the spiritual. Okay? First, he turned water into wine. That's John chapter 2. And there's a spiritual implication to that. Then we go into chapter 3. And you see that Jesus is talking with one of the Jewish leaders. His name was Nicodemus. And you remember that discussion. You know, how can a man be born again? And Jesus says, hey, it, it's not about physical birth. It's about your spiritual birth. It's about what it takes to have a right relationship with a living and holy God. And then there, John chapter 4, there's the woman at the well. And she came and she had a, a bucket of water. And, and you, you know that story. She couldn't go with the rest rest with the rest of the women at the you know early morning hours because she was kind of an outcast for all those reasons and don't have time for that. But she went in the middle of the day 
And Jesus was there, and she was looking for water. And, and Jesus said, hey, if you knew who you were talking to, you'd ask me for a drink because I would give you living water. And so the physical that she was looking for was pointing to the spiritual that he represented. And so we see this over and over again. So here, as we look at John chapter 6, the physical, the bread, that stuff that we like so much, that tastes so good. And, you know, we'll have some with lunch. And maybe when you eat lunch, you'll think back about this. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And it was the most important part of their meal. The central thing about their meal was the bread because they would put olive oil and spices on it and all of that. And, and it was the thing that brought them together. Very few people in this day and time ate meat. You know, we, we look at the entree. You know, what am I going to have? I'm going to have steak. I'm going to have ham. I'm going to have grilled chicken. What am I going to have? You know, that's what we look at. That's what we focus on. But for them, it was the bread. That was the central part of the meal. And so Jesus pictures himself here for them and for us. I am the bread, not just any kind of bread, but I am the barley bread, the common bread, that which is available to everyone. And if, and if you haven't, you know, jumped ahead of me already, and I hope you have, but if you haven't, it's a picture of grace. It's available to everybody. It's not just available to a few who can afford it. It's the common person's thing. Everybody could have it. And so it pictures for us the grace. It pictures for us a means of fellowship. Jesus said in the revelation to the church, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man opens the door to me, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. That involved bread. That was the means of fellowship that we would have opportunity to know one another, to get to appreciate one another, and do all of that. And if all these things weren't enough for these people to know who was speaking to them, let me ask you this. Have, have you ever run across this piece of information? What does the word Bethlehem mean? I'd never run across this till I was, I was researching uh, this sermon. And it was an astounding thing to me. That Bethlehem means house of bread. Now, where did Jesus come from? They all knew it. We go over and over again in the Gospels, they say, well, you know, isn't this Mary and Joseph's son? You know, we know about that. You know how people do with innuendo. I mean, you know, we've given up on that today, but... Right. Okay, never mind. Uh, <laughs> they all knew where he was from. They all knew what the word meant. And here he is going, I'm the bread of life. Hey, by the way, I come from the house of bread. And you're missing it. You don't get it. Well, let me make it even worse. <laughs> Numbers chapter 4. If you're making some notes, you can, you can read these all week. But Numbers chapter 4, they, they were given some instructions about the worship about the tabernacle. What they were to have in there. And one of the things that they were to have in there was bread, okay? Why were they to have bread in there? Well, God said, put the bread in there, and it's a symbol of my presence with you. It's a symbol of my fellowship with you. It was called the showbread. Now, how much bread were they to put in there? If you go back over Numbers and look at it, there were 12 baskets of bread that were put around the tabernacle as the promise of God's presence, now, you know, how much more does it have to get 
you know, stamped on your head right there. Look here. This is who I am. Well, it's, it's God's presence and it's the bread. How much did they take up on the mountain? Twelve baskets. There couldn't have been a clearer indication of who Jesus is and what is the right answer to the question, who do you say that I am? The bread is also talked about in Leviticus chapter 24. Jesus is the bread of life. Now, now don't miss the application because you're thinking back on these other folks and you're going, how could they be such blockheads? How could they miss it? How could they not see? Because we're really good at that too. A lot of times, I mean, maybe y'all aren't. I'll just go ahead. I am. You know, sometimes I look at stuff like this and I'm going, you know, y'all people, y'all, you're dumber than bricks. And, and then all of a sudden I wake up and I'm going, oop, wait a minute. While I was pointing that way, there was three more pointing back at me. What did I miss? And see, here's, here's what we miss. This Jesus, this one who says, I am the bread of life, also said, I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And somehow we've relegated that abundant life to inside the four walls of the church house and we miss a connection to what happens when we go out the door. We shouldn't. Jesus took what he had and he put it in the hands of his disciples. Don't miss that. Jesus didn't go through the crowd passing out the bread by himself. What did he do? He put it in their hands and he said, you do it. Who knew the miracle was taking place? The disciples. I mean, you know, by the time you got a hillside and 5,000, 10,000 people that way, they don't know where that bread came from. But those guys right around Jesus, they knew. They knew that they'd gotten that bread and those fish from that little boy. And they knew that Jesus had blessed it. And they knew that he said to pass it out. And they took it knowing, oh my soul, this is not enough. I mean, you know, that denarii that they were talking about, that's a year's worth of a, a salary in that day. And they said, not, not everybody's even going to get a bite with even that much money. But they saw no bread truck, they saw no grocery store, there's no Walmart, there's no Kroger, there's nothing out there. And Jesus said, here, take this, and you give it to them. In, in one of the Gospels, Jesus actually said that to one of the disciples. He says, you feed them. Don't miss it. Because that's our job. Jesus takes what he has, and he puts it within us. He puts it in my hand. He puts it in your hand. And he says, you meet the needs that they have. Now, I'm not whistling Dixie, and I can show you why. You see, Jesus' goal, the goal of God the Father, the mission, if you will, of God the Father is what? It's people. It's always been people. I ask mission teams when I take them out of the country, inevitably, maybe it's preparation, maybe it's once we get there, but I ask them, what is the mission? And they'll tell me things like, oh, we're putting in a water purification system. Okay, great. Um, it's medical. Okay, good. Uh, we're building a school. We're building a church. That's the mission. I'm going, no. And they all look at me like, well, that's what we came here for. I said, no. What, what you just named to me is the tool. The mission is the people. 
And if you don't walk away from anything else out of this, this story, this account of who Jesus is, walk away with this. God's mission is people, but God's method is people. God puts what he has in your hands. You're the method. You're the delivery system. You are not to hold up what you've got. You're not to hold in what God has put within you. God has put the power of heaven, the I am, inside of you in the person and the form of the Holy Spirit. And he says, you go out that door, you minister to them, you give them what I have. We prayed a minute ago, give us this day our daily bread. What's the problem with what most of us have to give away? Maybe it's just me. Okay, I'm sorry. I won't put that on you. I'm going to put it on me. If I'm not careful, what I've got to give away is stale. It was a long time before people knew, before scholars knew this word that was used in that prayer. And this is rocks, okay? Sorry. (laughs) But... That word, daily bread, they didn't know. It just seemed the best way to translate that was daily. And literally for centuries, they didn't know. And an archaeological discovery uh, three, four decades ago, they found a shopping list like a mother might give to her son. Go to the market and get, and there's the list. And they discovered that word on the shopping list. You can read the account of this in Eugene Peterson's book entitled, Eat This Book. Okay? And they found that there. And what that means, the word means fresh. Fresh bread. Give us this day. Jesus, put it within my hands. Give me a fresh experience with you today. Let me see you today as I have never seen you before so that I can go forth in the power and the presence of Jesus Christ and share the bread of life with the people out there. That's what I'm supposed to do. I'm, I, you know, I don't take my bread basket and just stuff it all over here and, didn't, and go hide. That's not what we're supposed to do. And you see, Jesus says that we are to have a life that is more abundant than we can possibly imagine. He is the one who came to do for us, to do in us, and to do with us and through us more than we can ask or imagine, according to the writing of the Apostle Paul. That's who Jesus is. And he puts his bread in our hands. And he says, you share it. It's enough for you. If you share what I give you, did you miss the fact that those disciples all got a basket of bread? Hey, go do what I tell you. Take this bread, pass it out. Be faithful to what I've instructed you to do. And if you do that, we have many other places to prove it. But right here we see it in action. Jesus is going to care for those who are obedient to him. Period. They had more than enough. Not one of those disciples could eat that whole basket. Not all at one sitting anyway. They had more than enough. He was caring for them. And he will do that for you. And he does that for all of us. And yet, I dare say, if we were to walk outside, and I don't want to do this because it's hot, okay, but, but just go with me mentally. I don't know how far we would have to walk this morning away from the doors of the church. I'm sure it would not be far. To find some homeless person 
at the back of the store or at a dumpster looking for something to eat. And we would look away and we would say that's a terrible situation and it is. Some of us would stop to help. That's a good thing. We should. But we miss it. If that's as far as our thoughts go. Because you see, God in his infinite wisdom and his immeasurable love has prepared for you and for me a banquet in himself. In Ephesians chapter 3, Paul says, I want you to know the love of God that knows no height, no depth, no breadth, no limit. You cannot know it, but I command you to know it. He has prepared for us in himself a banquet of inestimable worth. And what do we do? We go to the dumpsters of the world looking for something besides what God has given me. Or maybe I'm the only one that's done that. But we do that, don't we? God has said, I am the bread of life. It's fresh today. Take who I am. Understand. Learn of me. Take my yoke upon you. Share me with the world. Because God's mission is people. And God's method is people. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the pictures that you have placed within it, that we may see you, that we may know you. And that, Father, we may understand what you desire to do through us. Open our eyes so that we will see more and more. And, Father, help us to grasp, even if it's in increasingly incremental ways, what you want to do in us. Help us to be humble. Help us to be obedient. Father, where we are not, grant us the grace of repentance that we can be those children, those disciples, those missionaries who give you glory and bring others to you. And we ask these blessings and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.